So it was the summer after I graduated Southern, 2018. There's that interim, right, before you, you know, like when you graduate from undergrad and like a good theology major, head over to the seminary, where I had two options, right? Because some of you know this, I think I've mentioned it, I was taking 21 credits my last semester at Southern. I crawled across the stage, got the diploma, and fainted. No, I'm kidding. But it was a lot, okay? I had the option to say, man, on top of everything that we were doing there, Raquel and I were also going to get married that summer, and I, and I had the option to just do nothing, right, and just rest. I felt like I had earned it, but also, like, getting married, that's expensive, right? Like, <laughs> merging a life costs money, amen, right? So I said, you know what, not fine. I'll get a job at Volcano Bay at Universal in Orlando, right? If you've ever driven on I-4 around the parks, you'll see it. It's this enormous volcano that shoots out water. In my opinion, best theme park, uh, best water park in Orlando. I worked there. I had a fun time. But what you will learn, if you've ever had a job like that or you work with people, eventually you will come across people who are angry. Amen? (laughs) They will. And, and, And all the things going wrong is your fault, right? Um, I had people, uh, a funny story quickly about working at Volcano. One time I was walking back to my ride. I had just finished break, and I had somebody, she called out to me. Hello, hey, come here, I need help. So I walk over. Obviously, I'm in my uniform, whatever. So she comes, or I come over to her. She grabs my shirt like this, pulls it, wipes off her glasses, puts them on, and then just walks away. <laughs> and I sat there, and I, st- and I stood there, and I was like, oh, oh. I've never felt so, like, small, right? <laughs> Didn't say thank you, nothing, just left, right? You will bump into those kinds of people. Another thing that happened, I, my job was to stand in front of the rides and uh, just kind of let people know what the wait time was, you know, just facilitate. And one of the things that we had to do was keep track of people trying to bring GoPros onto the rides, right? Waterproof camera, I'm gonna, it's going to be great. Except that the rules say no. So guess who had to be the bearer of bad news. Every time a little camera tried to sneak its way onto the ride, it was me, right? And so I would, this one day, usually it wasn't a problem, but this one day, I met somebody who the word no just set them off. And I said, excuse me, sir, I see you have a GoPro. Unfortunately, you go through the spiel, put it in the locker, and he goes like this, from zero to 100 immediately. He goes, I would like to speak to the CEO Uh, sir, I don't have his number. Well, what do you mean? I demand to speak to the CEO. I was like, of the park? No, of Universal Comcast. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. I have no way of getting you in contact with him. The best I can do is get you one of my leads, right? And so here's the thing about a lead... They had the same uniform, except they had like a little earpiece, right? Those would set them apart. And so I was like, oh, I'll call the lead. And I, you know, I'd switch over to the radio. It's like, help me. I got a crazy guy here. Can somebody come help? And so they come on over, and uh, her, uh, Michaela came up, and before she could say a word, he puts his hand in her face, and it says, unless you're the CEO of NBC Comcast Universal, I don't want to hear a thing. I said, okay. She goes, well, uh, the best I can get for you is a supervisor, 
Okay, so they call the supervisor, they come in a suit and tie, right? Like, it just kept going and going and going, and the whole time I'm sitting there wondering why we're even entertaining this guy, but it's, you know, I've, I've moved it up the chain, so whatever. It got to the point where, like, the regional, like, manager had to literally come in a golf cart and talk to this guy, and, and finally, they squashed it there, but it got me thinking, right? Like, the CEO is a busy person, right? Like, there's a reason that there are levels, right? Because imagine if everyone who had a complaint just got to waltz into the office, right, and say, excuse me, I'd like to have a word, they would get nothing done, right? Let's say it was even something nice, like, I just want to say thank you, like, man, like, the line is long. There's no way that person would get anything done. One of the things the guy kept saying was like, well, when I used to work at a theme park, I had the CEO's number. I was like, sure you did. But the other thing that he kept saying was, well, in a good company, we should just have direct access to who's in charge. And, you know, I mean, there's truth to that, right? You've ever heard of the open door policy, right? Come and see me. Come and talk to me. It's good for employees, whatever. But there's also like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of employees. So even that's not great. There are layers that you have to work through to get to the person that you need. If I consider, and I do, God to be a very important person, it would make sense that there should be layers of people to kind of stand in the way, right? Imagine God, 8 billion people in the world right now, but like billions and billions and billions of people throughout all history just being able to like waltz into his office and say, excuse me, I'd like to ask you something. Well, that just doesn't work, right? When we think in our minds, because we are here on earth, we, we think this way about like how structures and systems are like, well, that's crazy, right? There's no way that, he should, that people should just be able to say, hey, uh, pastor, I'd like to talk to God, and I just waltz you into his office, right? It doesn't work that way. Or like, it feels like it shouldn't work that way because of the systems that we are used to. Wouldn't it make sense to delegate the communication out to someone else, right? And you'll say, well, he does, right? There's prophets and, you know, there's pastors and, you know, sometimes I'm just talking to a stranger and I hear something that I've been praying about and it's like an answer to prayer. God does delegate communication to other people, but that doesn't mean, just because that is true, it doesn't mean that we cannot find connection with him, right? So we read in 1 Timothy 2, 5, let's read it again, 1 Timothy 2, verse 5, for there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. So let's dig into some context about 1 Timothy, right? 1 Timothy is a letter, right? A letter to Timothy written by Paul. It's one of the three epistles that we call the pastoral epistles, right? And it's uh, one of the more practical books, right? In, in the new, like Romans, very heavy theology, like groundbreaking theology. Timothy, 1st and 2nd Timothy, Titus, very practical, right? There's definitely theology in there, but just day-to-day, like, how do you live in a world that is, uh, or how do you minister in a world that is kind of pagan or uh, just, like, unchurched? 
Um, there's differing opinions on things. How do you live in a world like that, right? One of the major themes in uh, the pastoral epistles is this idea of having good and sound doctrine, right? We talked a little bit a few weeks ago uh, about uh, at this time, in this place, in this context, there uh, were kind of three, uh, however many you want to like break it up to, but there are different trains of thought, right? There is this emerging church that uh, was started by Jesus, right? His apostles went out, the, 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 the disciples. The word is spreading, right? They called themselves the way, right? So there's this new thing, right? And that causes tension because there's also now, as the word has spread out into the Gentile-like areas, that makes some people uncomfortable because it's like, well, that was supposed to be ours. And now you're just sharing it with everybody. And if you're going to share it with everybody, well, we, gotta, we have to rein this in because it's uncomfortable. It's, it's different than what we're used to. And so there was a group of people called, like, the Judaizers. And they would waltz up to people and say, listen, fine, you can have the good news, but here's a list of things you have to do before, like, you can really call yourself one of us. And, and listen, to new believers, new believers are very impressionable, right? And so something that sounds very convincing, they're like, oh my goodness, I got to do all these things. And, and it warps their mind, right? On the other end of the spectrum was this belief called Gnosticism, which was basically like, well, I have a little bit of God in me, right? And, and, and it's kind of like the anti-Judaizer. It's like, if you want to break it up, there's like the conservative and the liberal, and then there's this new thing that's kind of in the middle and calling you to change your life and breaking chains, and it's a beautiful thing. And then, how do you minister? And well, and then, on top of that, as you're ministering out into the Gentile community, you have to recognize that most of these people were Greek, right? And there are already Greek gods, there is so many different things kind of like fighting for your attention here in this context. And so Paul writes to Timothy, says, listen, I need to teach you how to interact in a Gentile world, right? This is new territory. And so one of the things he says is what we just read. There is one God. Why is that groundbreaking, right? It doesn't, like to us, we're like, yeah, that's, that's cool. It is calling people back to this, uh, uh, this foundational belief of God, right? There is this thing called the Shema. Does anybody know what the Shema is? Okay. It, listen, all right. <laughs> it, uh, in Hebrew, this is how you would say it. Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad, right? Five semesters of Hebrew, you're welcome, right? <laughs> that translates, if you know where that's from, that's actually from Deuteronomy 6, verse 4. If you want, let's turn uh, your Bible to Deuteronomy 6, verse 4, what it says. And again, this is a foundational belief of what it means to believe in God, Elohim, right? The God of heaven who created all the earth and everything you see. Verse 4, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. That's what I just said, but in, in, in English. I can speak Hebrew, but I can't speak English right now. Right? The Lord, our God, the Lord is one. And it continues, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words that I command you 
shall be on your heart. Some versions will say will be written on your heart. Something written on your heart means you cannot run away from it. You can't just suddenly say, well, it's not true anymore, because even if you try to bury it, throw it away, light it on fire, move across the world to get away from it, it's there with you. This is a foundational belief, right? So, why do we need to know the basics? Why do we go back? Paul is letting Timothy know, when you talk to people, you must get this, that there is one God, because knowing the basics will keep you from being deceived. Amen? Right? Keep it simple. Let's come back to the basics. When we're, you know, when you're at a new job, what do they do first? Before they teach you how to run the entire floor, they teach you how to what? Turn the machine on, right? <laughs> you need to know the basics because, right, when somebody comes and says something different that does not align with the foundation, you can already say, well, no, right? That's not how you turn the machine on, right? That's not how you move forward. To say that there's a little bit of God in me, you can say, well, there's only one God, so eh, go away from that, right? Or there's the other spectrum, right? The God of, like, rules and, and, and law, so to speak, right? Well, well to, to know God and to be with you, you got to do this, 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 and this. Like, well, but that kind of sounds like you've made an idol out of that, and there's supposed to be one God, Overcorrection is possible, right? When you uh, learn something new, it is very easy for the pendulum to swing across and for you to become, right, like, I'm not going to say that you're going to turn into a Gnostic or a Judaizer, but there is a realm where when you've, you know, learned something new and it becomes uncomfortable, it's uncharted territory, you can swing to one of these pendulums, right, one of these sides, and Paul is saying, no, 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 come back to the basics. There is one God, and it continues on. There's one God. There's one mediator. Do not overcorrect, right? Don't become like the Judaizers or the Gnostics. Don't make a God of law, and don't make a God of self. There is one God. Come back to the basics. There is one God and one mediator. So what is being said is there's one God, and there's also one means of salvation. Do not let anybody tell you different Stop making this so complicated. Stop making this so complicated. We move on uh, and to talk about this verse, right, that there is one mediator. That's a, a big word, right? That, that is such a powerful little thing right there, one little word. But what it means to be a mediator goes all the way back to Leviticus 16, right? The day of atonement, right? This sacrificial system that was put in place, right, that God set up so that we would have a symbol of what he is doing in our lives, right? So day of atonement, we're going to kind of, I mean, we could spend a whole series on that, but we're just going to sum it up. Day of atonement was back in the times when the people of Israel were kind of on the move with Moses. They set up a sacrificial system that said, hey, once a year, we're, it's going to be called the Day of Atonement. You're going to take this lamb, and the high priest will take the blood and enter into the most holy place, a place that you're only allowed to go into on that day, because in the most holy place is where God sits on the mercy seat. 
and he will sprinkle the blood, and then symbolically, that year, all the sins of the people, right? If we still did that, I guess I would act as the high priest in this, in this illustration. I would take the blood, I would sprinkle it, and I'd come back and let you guys know, you're good. We're good. We've made atonement for the wrongs corporately that we've done. And so that would happen every single year where the high priest would mediate on our behalf and interface with God. And in that symbolic uh, thing that they would do, you were good for the next year, right? We move on. Because that was a symbol means we need the real thing. So we know We believe that when Jesus died on the cross, he died for our sins, right? And to make that point, just like go home, the veil that separated the holy place from the most holy place tore in half. When Jesus died, it tore in half. Amen, right? That's awesome. So then we continue on, and let's go to the book of Hebrews. Let's open our Bibles to Hebrews. Mm -hmm. All right, Hebrews chapter 9. Again, we're just going to take this point to its conclusion, right? Because sometimes people, every once in a while, well, how come we don't really kill lambs anymore? Like, why do we not have to do that, right? Oh, because of Jesus? Oh, well, what was different about Jesus versus the lambs? Like, why couldn't we just get, like, one lamb and put it on the cross, right? Uh, So, It's because, I'm going to sum it up and then we're going to read through. It's because Jesus was perfect. His sacrifice was perfect. So we no longer need to do the symbol anymore because when Jesus died, it was final. Let's read it. Matthew 9, verse 11 and 12 says, But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then, though the greater and more perfect tent... Wait, I'm messing this up. I can't read English, like I said. But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by the means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Right? Well, not what I'm saying what the author is saying. The blood of Christ is perfect, right? Let's read uh, chapter 10, verse 12. Chapter 10, verse 12, still in Hebrews, says, but when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. We no longer, right, we have that... that Christ acted as the mediator, and when he interceded, when he got involved, because he was perfect, his blood was perfect, we no longer are tied to this symbol anymore, right? We have freedom of sin, or freedom from sin, right? We have a new path, right? We have a second chance. Everything good you can think of happened because of a perfect sacrifice, Right? So we went from the Day of Atonement, Christ dying on the cross, to it being confirmed that we are no longer tied to these symbols because the Son of God made a way for us. 
This word mediator, right? I want to tell you a story, too, about something that uh, this is like, these illustrations make themselves, right? You know what I mean? Like, that's how life happens. Uh, we've been working, this is a look behind the veil a little bit. We've been working uh, as a church and school board. We've, been, we've needed the title for that yellow bus that you can see out uh, in the parking lot in the back. When I tell you, right, that all of the hoops that we had to jump through, like, <laughs> all of the hoops we had to jump through to get, like, to, I, as the pastor, can't just go and get the title, right? I needed to get board approval, but not just church board, but also school board, because we kind of went into that together. Then I had to go to the DMV, and when I tell you, I mean, you guys know, right? It's like the joke of the century. The DMV is like the worst place you could ever go. The hoops we had to jump through. So I go there, and I say, hey, I have the board minutes that say, well, I'm the pastor, and I need this. Um, so give it to me, right? Well, they said, well, uh, it's not in your name. I like, I know. Uh, it should be in the church's name. Like, well, it's not. Whose name is it under? So you guys know the school's name is ZL Sung, right? The worst clerical error ever possible. They somehow got it mixed up. They put the bus in his name, had to explain to them that he has passed away. He is not, it's impossible, right? So that once we jump through that hurdle, mind you, I'm being transferred to different people all the time, a different representative here, a supervisor there, right? So many people I have to talk to. I needed help, right? Once we fix that, then they said, ah, it doesn't seem that the school or church shows up on Sunbiz. Sunbiz is, you know, where every corporation or business church is listed. They said, well, you guys aren't there. And I said, oh, it's because the Florida Conference owns the building. And they're like, okay, sure. Like, you got to go fix that. And I was like, oh, my goodness. So I'm, I'm, I'm literally, this is like a six-month process, guys. Of, I, I joke that I have a little office here that I, or a room here that I live in. I was also living at the DMV, just losing my mind, hair falling out, gray hair taking its place. I'm, all the people I have, they know me by name, Right. So finally, I'm at the end of the rope, and I say, there's no other way forward. I need somebody to intercede and fix this, to mediate on our behalf, because this $10 title is standing in the way, right? I cannot get it. So what do I do? The conference has a legal team, and I just finally reached out to the lawyer and said, you are my only hope. I need you to go fight the state for me. <laughs> and he did, okay? Within a, like less than a month, we got the title because he went to bat for us. He mediated the situation and made it possible for us to get it. So we have it now. It's good, right? <laughs> I think what was happening too, part of the problem was like, I look very, I mean, I am very young, right? So when I walk into the DMV and I say, hey, I need, I'm the pastor. And they're like, oh, you're the pastor. Oh, like, you know, and it, you, you laugh, but that happens. Like there was somebody who came to visit one time and they were like, hey, can I talk to you? And, you know, um, when your dad comes in, like, let him know I was here. And like, who are you talking about? Well, you're the pastor's son. I said, no. Like, <laughs> and I don't get offended by that because, I mean, come on, I get it, right? But the other thing that was happening was, like, I kept getting bounced to different people, 
that the communication wasn't there. As I looked back on it, I was like, I should have just gone immediately to the lawyer. Wouldn't it be easier if instead of having to go through this person and that person and the next person and then getting transferred to this person, what if I could just walk up to one person and say, can you help me with this? And then they do. That is what is being detailed here. There is one God and one mediator. We cannot approach, right? We cannot approach God on our own, right? I think of, think of the story of Moses. Moses is like, God, I want to see you. And God is like, you can't handle me, man. Like, you cannot handle seeing me. You are a sinful created. Like, you, you can't handle me, right? But here's what I'll do. I'll, like, pass before you. I'll cover you. And then, like, you can see, like, the back of me. And even that caused the guy to start glowing. Are you understanding what I'm saying? We cannot approach God on our own, just us. We need a mediator, right? We cannot attain salvation on our own. We need a mediator. Imagine how time-consuming, how frustrating, how uh, uh, like non-relational it would feel if to get salvation, you had to first come to me, and I would say, okay, I'm going to transfer you to uh, the, the District 1, you know, like regional uh, person over all the pastors. You go talk to Javier, and then Javier would transfer you to the ministerial director, and then he would transfer you to the secretary, and then he would take you to the president, and the president would take you to the union, and you just had to keep going up the ladder to attain salvation through other people. Ah, just throw the whole thing out. I don't want it. I don't need it. It's too much work. But there, the, there's one God, one mediator. How perfect is it that, like, I, I am here for you, right? As pastor, I act as shepherd, but you don't have to go through me. If I were someday, God forbid, to die, right, you can still interface with the Father through the mediator. There's one God, there's one mediator. You have a direct line to God at all times through Jesus. You have the assurance of salvation if you choose to accept it at all times through Jesus, and you do not need to come through me ever. And Paul is talking to, Titus, uh, to Timothy, talking to Timothy, say, if somebody tries to tell you or the new believers something else, throw it out. Go back to the basics. Stop making God so complicated. There was a commentary I was reading, and I was like, trying to, I was like, maybe I can put this in my own words and it'll sound cooler. Like, no, I'm just going to take you, I'm going to read this quote to you because I was like, man, that's why these people write the commentaries because they, man, it says this, to be of any use, a bridge across a chasm or river must be anchored on both sides. Christ has closed the gap between deity 
and humanity. He has crossed the Grand Canyon so deep and wide between heaven and earth. He has bridged the chasm that separated man from God. With one foot planted in eternity, he planted the other in time. He, who was the eternal Son of God, became the Son of Man. And across this bridge, the man Christ Jesus, we can come into the very presence of God knowing that we are accepted because we have a mediator. It's beautiful. It's beautiful how simple it is. We go on 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 6. So it says, uh, one God, one mediator, the man Christ Jesus. Verse 6, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. It happened when it needed to happen, right? And what that means is that there was always a plan, right? You guys are going to, when I, someday when the conference moves me, you're going to be like, this is the pastor who always used to say that one Ellen White quote, right? As soon as there was sin, there was what? A savior, right? That, there was a plan the whole time, right? It says that this ransom, that life that Jesus gave, it happened at its proper time. There was a plan, right? And that plan is still in action because it says, if I go, I will prepare a place for you that where I am, you may be also. What that means for you and for me is that when, right, times are feeling a little rough, right, when you're laid up in bed because you got coronavirus, right? When the finances are just not adding up, right? When the job is stressing you out so hard, when your marriage seems like it's on the rocks, when your kids are who knows where with, they're doing who knows what, right? When you can't see a way out, there's a plan, right? There is a plan. And things will happen at their proper time. The Bible says that all things work together for good. Uh, like I've said before, sometimes you may not live to see that good, but the promise of Scripture is that it will be used for good in its proper time. Right? Here's the other thing. We... When people at work, at school, at Publix, right, wherever you go, look at you and they begin to wonder about you. Like this guy, this woman, is a little different. They seem a little happy, right? <laughs> they have a peace about them that's surpassing my understanding, right? When they approach us, and they will, when they approach us, and they will, in their proper time, it says that this is our testimony, right? Our testimony is, well, man, you should have seen who I was before, right? You should have seen all the hoops I was having to jump through to try to earn my own way, but then I met Jesus, right? This is our testimony. Opportunities will present themselves, preach, Jesus, preach 
the mediator, right? When opportunities present themselves, preach freedom, because that's what it means. When opportunities uh, make themselves available, profess that there is one God and one mediator, and that if somebody, the one talking to you under a lot of weight and stress and, and burden is saying, well, that's not what I've heard, you can tell them, but guess what? We went back to the basics. There was one, there is one God, there is one mediator. The good news is it doesn't need to be so complicated. The good news is that he stood in the way. He bridged the gap. Uh, as I invite the praise team back up, see, I remembered today, right? Let's go back to this guy, right, who at Volcano Bay approached me and said, I want to talk to the CEO, right? And let's, let's, instead of making him the, like, the joke, let's go ahead and make him the good guy here. Let's say that he was like, I love this park, and I want to talk to the CEO and just tell him how good of a time I had. That's not what happened, but let's just pretend, right, because we want to end on a positive note, right? How awesome would it have been if I could have, as the mediator of that request, said, yeah, sure, come on, and I walked him into the office of the CEO. How great would he have felt, right? How valued as a customer would he have felt if he said, man, like the CEO is going to take my time? Like, I'm going to take of his time just to, like, tell him, wow, this company really values its people. That is the life, the promise that we live in, right? As important, as powerful, as, like, omnipresent, as everything as God is, though we can't approach him on our own, Instead of having to jump through this person and that person and the next person and this rule and that law and, and, and this belief and that belief, there's one God who loves you so much that he made it so simple for you to intercede with him. From the very beginning, that's what he always did. Think back to the temple, right? That word that he dwelled among them, he wanted to be close to them, and so what did he do? He created a way for people who could not approach God to be able to approach him, right? Then on earth, again, how do we get salvation on our own? We can't. The law, we could never follow the law from birth till death perfectly. Only Jesus could do that. We need help. He manifested his son as a human being to die a perfect death for us, and he is still one God with one mediator. You still have a direct line to the God of the universe. Is that, is that not blowing your mind? That you can walk right in to his proverbial office, sit down, hang out with him, talk about what's going well, talk about what's not going well. How simple is that? As you leave today, right, if you're feeling the burden of, like, the world, right, this is a God who, and this is a God, and this is the mediator who's going to take that from you, right? He's going to take it, bring it to the Father. We know that God is a God who hears us, who loves us, and, man, on top, like, he cares about what's going on with us. So when we 
interface with him, we can leave that conversation feeling brand new, feeling at peace because, because he's taken it. So let's do that now. Our most kind of Heavenly Father, God, thank you for the system that you set up. God, thank you for your son, the perfect mediator. God, thank you for his sacrifice. Thank you for the outpouring of love and closeness that we experience with you. God, I pray for my friends here, my family here, who feels the burden of, of maybe too many rules, people who feel the burden of, of uh, a God that isn't close. God, people who have been taught something contrary to the one God, one mediator system that you have set up for us. God, I pray for peace in their life. God, thank you for making a way for us to just talk to you as a friend. And so, God, I pray now that the burdens, the stress, the pain, the sadness that is felt here in this room, God, we're going to leave that with you. Thank you for allowing us to do so. God, as we leave this place, may we have peace, a peace that passes understanding. God, may we feel new, not just feel new, God, we thank you because we are new, as you have promised us. Maybe we don't feel it that very second, but you have promised us that we are. God, thank you that all things work together for good. And God, even if we don't necessarily see it ourselves in our lifetime, give us that peace knowing that it will turn to good at its proper time. Lord, we love you. We want to see you face to face very soon. I pray in your name. Amen.